0: Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoon. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. And today we've got a definite tycoon on the program. He's going to talk about a lot of the things that he does uh, personally, what he's done in his past, I should say, and, and the way that he works with business owners today. So I'm excited to welcome Damon Pistolka from Seattle, Washington, or Edmonds, Washington, to the show. Damon, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me here today, Austin
0: yeah Damon, excited to uh, to talk to you about this. There's a, a decent amount of crossover in the things that we do for business owners and and uh, you know what you do inside of your firm is so important for business owners to to be aware of and to do certain things to prepare themselves to eventually exit their business, whatever that looks like. So mm-hmm. excited to jump into that. But would love to hear a little bit about you and your family uh, personally first before we jump into the business side of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, Austin, Well, and and thanks for for inviting me to be here today. Yeah, it's, you know, me looking at my background, uh, I grew up on a large family farm in South Dakota, and someone told me that I would be a living by the Puget Sound, doing what I do, helping business owners build and sell businesses, I would have never, ever, ever thought it, you know, you hear some people that go, I want to be this, or I want to be that when they're a kid, and that's what they do. Mine was a pretty circuitous route uh that that got here after I realized uh going to engineering school. Um oldest of, of four brothers or three brothers and other brothers and a sister. So five kids in our family and and uh first one in our family to go to college. I, I got an engineering degree and started working in manufacturing companies. And and before I knew it, I was I was given an opportunity to build and run some companies and manufacturing, and then ultimately uh, facilities and then companies. And as I was doing it for the companies, running the the manufacturing companies, I was doing that for investment owners. And it opened my eyes to a very different world. And that is where you buy a company at a value as an investment, and you grow that company to another value and you exit um, and realize the returns of your investment. And uh, growing up and, and then also in the businesses I worked up up until then early in my career, they were family owned businesses. They were going from generation to generation or just perpetuous businesses uh, that were their perpetual businesses that were moving on. So this is a really interesting time for me because I was able to lead these companies through the growth and the sale and buy other ones and do the similar things again. And I, I did discovered how much I really enjoyed that process of understanding what you need to do in a business to drastically change its trajectory and really help it do things maybe a little bit differently to, to set itself apart in the market and then exit and, and realize the value. And that's it's something that I I just loved, I, I don't, I don't know even how to say it because when I found it, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I ended up doing it a few more times for, for other groups and stuff. And, um, and ultimately in 2015, I, I partnered with my, my partner, Andrew Cross now, who we met in, in one of these companies I had been doing this for earlier to do what we're doing now and exit your way, helping individual business owners do this. And I'm doing it day in and day out. It's, I'm just, I, I I. wake up and I I feel so lucky to be able to do it. I just absolutely positively love to do every single day. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I I, I definitely uh, can relate to that. uh, relate to a lot of things in your story. Actually, I grew up on a farm as well, spent most of my childhood on a farm. Um. I, you know, if you would have told me that I was going to go to college or have an MBA or own a business or help, yeah. you know, some somebody- of the wealthiest business owners in the country with, with things that are really important to them and to their families. I mean, it just, it just wouldn't have fit. Right. I mean, it mm-hmm. just, it would seem so far out there. And, you know, I was also the first in my family to go to to college. My parents both had GEDs. So it was, you know, it, it was a, it was a stretch so much so that I got my associate's degree. And then about a year and a half later, when it was time to get my, my bachelor's degree and I called my parents and told them, you know, I'm going to send you guys a yeah. plane ticket to graduation. They, they were confused. Wait a minute. You, you graduated a year ago. What do you mean <laughs> there's another graduation? So it's uh, it uh, it's interesting, you know, how, how much our stories parallel each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, I, I, I look at other people and and I just realized how fortunate I was to be able to go to college And 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 subsequently be able to do what I do, and and even though it was a challenging route for my parents, I think ultimately they're happy I
0: did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean I've got younger brothers that that don't have college degrees, and they're doing just just fine. Yeah, it's not the only way to be successful in this world for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's kind of jump in. So one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, that most businesses are family owned, and that was essentially all you were kind of exposed to before getting involved with these investor-owned businesses. Um, Mm -hmm. And and the reality is, you're you're spot on. The statistics, I believe, are 87 percent of the businesses in our country are family-owned businesses, Mm -hmm. and so that's the reality. But just because it's a family-owned business doesn't mean that it that some of the things that you guys do. Would wouldn't benefit those those companies as well.
1: Yeah, and when you look at it too, I think isn't it something like sixteen percent or something like those fam of that of family businesses actually transition to the second generation. So, you know, the other eighty four percent of them are hopefully going to be sold for a lot of money if if when they're ready to get out of them, you know. And that's really where where we play is understanding what you really need to do to a business to make it valuable to the next person. And that next person can be your children or your your grandchildren or whoever it is. But you really need to understand who your buyer is and, and make your comp- company attractive to them. And, and that's, you know, family-owned businesses are not uh, immune to exit. You know, transitioning generations is is no different really than selling a business to a different owner. And what was great for the founders or the second generation may not be even close to what the third generation wants or the fourth generation wants. So you really have to make sure that you're continuing to evolve that business and evolve the the performance of that business so that it can continue to support that family as long as you want it to.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're right. I, I So I don't know for sure if the 16% that you quoted is, is the right number. I don't remember that one. But I do remember the the percentage that passes to the third generation because it's extremely low. Yeah. It's three.
1: Yep. Yep. That's what I thought too. It's three percent. And I just looked at, looked this up a few weeks ago and, and because it is so low, really, you'd think that, uh, you, and, and this is, I don't think size makes a difference. I, I know in some of this, but not a lot really. Um, and, and sometimes, um, unfortunately or fortunate enough, the next generation just simply does not want to be involved. Yeah. And and there's different things you have to do.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of that, right? There's There can be internal family strife, of course, that comes in. Oh, yeah. But even just if you think about it, you know, let's say that I start the business, right? Well, I want to pass it on to my two kids, right? So now there's Two people in one business. Mm-hmm. Like you said, is the business large enough and do they get along? And then uh, let's say each of my kids have two kids. Are we going to pass it to then four people at that mm-hmm. point and have two kids? You know what I'm saying? Like it becomes extremely large at some point. And the question is can the business support that many people? Do they want to be involved in the business? are they going to do what it takes to make sure that it continues to be successful there there's just so many aspects of family transitions that that really get complicated with with businesses mhm
1: and you bring up some great points and i think this is those are the same points that make a family business that you want to support your family for generations and an investor owned business very similar because you have to be consistently monitoring that that performance of that business, thinking to the future to understand where are we going? What is that value we need to be? Or how much money do we need every year? Like you said, it goes from two to four to whatever it would be after that eight or to whatever the multiple and it goes up pretty fast. But if you're you're thinking you have to support that many families with your business, you better be monitoring the performance of that business and growing it appropriately to be able to, to hit those milestones when you need to.
0: Yep. there's there's no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of start at the beginning. You know, anybody who's who's listening to this, they're building a business. They may be in different stages. Some are, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs that are listening. Some have a business that's, you know, up and running. And then there are some who have a full enterprise level business that have, you know, 20, 30, 50 employees and are building some some decent revenue. But let's start at the beginning, like I said, with with what you would say are your keys to building a business that can be sold.
1: Yeah. From the beginning, I think you need to understand what you want to create because that that will throughout the entire life cycle of your business. Because if you say, listen, I want to create a plumbing company that services my area better than anyone else. And my exit plan is I want to give it to my kids or I want to sell it to, to some other competitor in the area when I'm done for this much dollars. I mean, you really, that helps to drive the way you're going to run your business. Because if you don't do that, you can lump along and and start making enough money to make a living, but you really can fall short of where you want to go. If you want to do the others and build a business that gives you so much money. Um, And, and this is where I think a lot of people fall into this trap is like, okay, I'm 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 making a few bucks now. Now I'm making enough money to make a living and I'm supporting my family blah 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 and they stop there. And they really don't go how much do I need to create in wealth from my business cuz it's a wealth generating machine. They look at it as a job when you start out but you soon have to make that flip and go this is going to generate the wealth for me in my long-term. And if I don't get, uh, you know, I have to make it do that. A lot of people do anyway. And so you really have to look at that and you go, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to make a living plus this much as going to get invested every year and I'm going to run my business for 20 years and I really don't care? Does that mean that I'm going to accelerate and grow my business to X million in, in value? over the next so many years and sell it at that point. I mean, you really have to understand where you envision this thing going, even if it's wrong because you have to have a direction because starting without a direction, I think is, is one of the things that we all get in can get into real easily, but if you don't see where you're going, you're going to go a lot of different routes and you're not going to get anywhere close to where you want
0: to be. Yeah, no, I think that's extremely important, right? I mean, th- there's, there's this shift of a mindset. So first, let me say this, building or having your own company just to provide yourself a job. Absolutely fine. If that's, if that's Mm -hmm. what you're hoping to do and you may never sell your business and that's fine too. You just have to plan outside of your business selling for anything for your own financial independence. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but if that's not the case and you want, and you do want to build it a little bit bigger and you're somewhat reliant, which most business owners in our country are very much reliant on the, the worth or the value of their business to mm-hmm. provide their own financial independence later, you have to start with this mindset shift of, this is not my job. This is an asset or an investment that I own. I also yep. work there. But this is an asset or an investment that I own.
1: Exactly. Yep. And you got you to gotta make a return on that investment like everything else.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that could be an annual return, right? In terms of profits from the business. And it can also be capital appreciation to where you sell that business for a certain amount, hopefully a large mm-hmm. amount later in life as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we see that in smaller businesses. A lot of, you know, people can have a, you can have a million, $2 million, say plumbing restoration business, something local that they're, they're making pretty good money out of. And if you really look and you know, 10 years before you're ready to exit, you're not going to succeed it. You're going to just exit this thing. If you really understand and, and are investing your money well, and, and and I always like this in the smaller business, because you should be investing all along investing some of your your profits from your money all along, because you never know what's going to happen to the business. But when I see it successfully done, it's so cool, because we had a client, um, oh, I was like six, seven years ago now that had a small restoration business, uh, went in and helped him get some things organized. And really, he, he about double the business. And it still wasn't that big a business, but we said, listen, what well, you've been living on what you had before, take the extra and invest that because he had a goal, an investment goal at the end. And I said, we're not investment advisors. He said, but if but if I was you and you need this much money, this is how we would get it. And he had five or six years before he wanted to be out of the business. And, and uh, he did it. It was really cool. Last year, he grew the business, invested the extra money wisely, um, and then sold his business last year for, for about the, you know, what the value it was worth, but the combination of the two things, gave him a very nice retirement and he's able to go off and now he does missionary work. So good stuff for him.
0: Yeah, no, I think, okay. I think that's great because the, the, the reality is we tell our clients that you should always be taking some chips off the table, right? Moving yeah. some money from the, business balance sheet to the personal balance sheet to prepare for your own financial independence outside of the business. And Mm -hmm. then if we can sell the business for more, then it becomes the cherry on top. And at the very least for a guy like you or anybody who's helping them, you know, to actually go through that transaction at that point, um, it puts everybody in a better negotiating position because you don't need the money to retire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is a much better situation to be in in either I don't need the money or I don't need to stretch what my business is worth, right? Because that's the, that's the other thing is really bad. It's like you get to the end and you say, Well, I still need, you know, five million dollars, but my business is worth three, but I hope I'm gonna get five, right? We're gonna just go out and get five. That doesn't happen because business value is math. And it's simple return on the investment, right? You can only invest so much because you only get the return out of the business where it's at today. And that's how people buy businesses. So you're so right there that, that you have to have, you know, your personal investments in the right place, your business value in the right place compared to what your your end number you need as a net proceeds from that business, or you're going to fall short, and then it's going to mean some changes.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and you should always know what that number is, yes. right? I'm sure you've had instances where you've sat down with a business owner and you just, you know, talk to them about the value of their business or what mm-hmm. do you want to sell it for? Or what, you know, what are you, what are you building toward? And they'll throw out a number and, and pick a number. It could be 5 million. It could be 10. It could be one, right? Whatever that yep. number is. But if you dig a little bit further to try to find out why they choose that number, they typically don't know. A lot of times it's oh, so and so sold it for that much. And so I assume I can get, you know, that much as well. But as a business owner, you need to know what's called the value gap, right? What is yep. the difference between what you have and what you need? And that mm-hmm. gap's got to be filled with something. It's either your own personal savings over time or the business, or a combination of the two. But that is your value gap. And you need to know that number at all times.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things that we do before we start to sell a business. If they can't tell us that, we get them in touch or have them talk to their financial advisors to do that. Because when you do that, or when you don't do it, it's the difference between going through a business sale knowing that I'm going to be okay or not okay, or wondering. And what happens a lot when you wonder is you'll go into a business sale situation. I, I'm, I'm, you know, they've told me I could get a few million dollars for it. That's That's pretty good. And you're wondering, you're wondering, you're wondering. And you get to the end and it's like, no, I, I just I just can't do it because I don't know. I'm not confident in that, blah, blah, blah. But when you take the time to go through your, your, your lifestyle for whatever's next with a financial advisor and say, listen, I want a second home. We're going to travel this much. I'm going to start this uh, other business. I'm going to have these philanthropic ventures. I want to drop some things for the kids, grandkids, whatever it is. Put all that together and shake it up and do the calculations that you need to, to get that number out. That is so powerful because then we come in, we take that and we say, hey, Austin, your number is $5 million. We believe your business is worth $7.2 million. And here's what it's going to cost you. You're going to have to take capital gains out. You're going to have to take the fees to sell the business. You got to pay down some debt with that, whatever it is. You're going to end up with, 5.9 5.9 million dollars or whatever the heck the number is and you can go into that final discussion is getting ready to sign the dotted line when someone says they want to buy that for 5.9 million or 6 million dollars knowing that I've already done my homework on this and I've got a little cushion from what they said I will be just fine for what I want to do next in my life that is crazy powerful because you can you can sign that thing and understand that you're going to be okay. Or you can choose not to do that ahead of it. And you can get to the end. You can get cold feet, not sign it. And you may never get that $5.9 million or $6.2 million again. Because getting to the point to where you can get a deal done is not that easy. Uh, and you want to make sure that you are pretty confident in the value that you're going to get for it is going to make sure it's going to give you what you need to get there because there's too many deals die when you don't know that.
0: Yep. Yep. Knowing the number is is super important and, and knowing that that has to be your net number, right? Net number. Yep. You, you can sell a business for 6 million, but only actually receive one and a half, when everything's all said and done, pay taxes, depreciation, recapture, all these kinds of things. Yeah, come in. yeah, it's to be about what you're going to receive when you're done. And in order to have that number a hundred percent locked in, you have to have good advisors around you.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we when we get to work with our clients for say three to five years ahead of time, we start to practice. In the last thirty six months, we start to practice red zone thinking. And that really, you know, comes from football, obviously. But red zone thinking means that I am not buying the brand new million-dollar whiz-bang piece of equipment unless I really need it, because I get to pay that thing off when I sell my business. I don't need 40 new trucks for my fleet. I just need to be replacing them when they need to be replaced so that I don't have all this extra debt on the books that I have to, because their net can go down like crazy. I mean, we've had, we've had clients uh, that, like you said, uh, four or five years ago, we had a client that was worth about $13 million, but on the books and after net proceeds were only going to be about a million bucks. And, and it was just simply, they were in a, a huge ramp up phase and had a lot of debt on the books that they needed to take care of because of that. And uh, in, what's it, about 30 months, we had the, the value was was triple that, but also we had paid down a lot of debt. And you know th- these are the things you can do when you really start to think about this and, and go, okay, I've got a target I'm going for, an exit time, exit value. And and working towards it because that that red zone those last couple three years especially if you're if you're going to transfer a lot of money and you're not looking at it six seven eight years ahead of time and and going okay what do I have to do now to mitigate capital gains taxes when I sell in six or seven years because there's some of these tax things that can save literally hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for people that are going to be, you know, if you got 10 million, something like that for your business, you can say a million dollars in capital gains just by doing work. But some of that takes five years of hold time or wait period. And, and I don't know the specifics around it. I just know they're talked to a lot of smart lawyers and other people around taxes that, that help people do this. And I'm amazed at what you can do when you really think ahead on those kind of things as well.
0: Yep. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. And so, you know, we, we tell people all the time that exit planning is a process, not an event. Mm-hmm. And we should, we would prefer working with a business owner at least three years before their eventual exit to do some of these things that you're talking about. So let's talk about those specifics, right? I mean, you, one of the things that you mentioned is that there's the ability from time to time to quadruple the value of your business within that 36 months. So Mm -hmm. specifically, what are some of the types of things that people should be thinking about? If they're thinking, man, I want to exit my business in 36 months, what should they be doing now to increase the value of their business?
1: Yeah. First thing, growth. You can run your business today with flatline growth, right? I've been in it 15 years. We got 10 million in revenue. I made plenty of money. I'm happy, right? It's not going to work so good when you go to sell it. Because the buyer is going to look at it as they're paying you for that $10 million business or revenue business, whatever the value is, that thing. But then they're also going to look at it and they're going to say, well, what if this happens? What if I lose the biggest customer? What if the market turns against me? What if I this? And they're going to start, the risk is going to start to drive their value down on what they want. Now, in a flatline business, that's a pretty big deal because that just means I go from 10 million to 9 million to 8 million in their mind. Might have never happened, may never happen, but they still are looking for risk. What if interest rates go up on me? What, blah, blah, blah. you know? That, so we look at growth and we say, look at that same business now that was flatlined. What if we had 20, 25% growth? What if we have 50% growth? How much? How many problems does, does 20 plus percent growth cover up? I can lose that customer. I can screw something up. I still am going to be able to make, at least pay my debt and hopefully make a return on my investment yet at that point. That same business that was flatline is going to get discounted like crazy. That same, that business that's growing is going to get, it's going to get sold. There's just the difference between the two. I mean, we see it every day. We try to have we try over time. Some some of our clients they just say, "Hey, you know, we make good money. We're doing this. You can get them sold, but it's not nearly at the value you can in a growing business. Because if that business is growing, and we've got a track record of growth, and we say, and this is where we're going, we're projecting to go. I've already said where we we're going to be, and we're." on our way there, and we're going here, it will, you can actually get a bit more for the value of your business than it's where it's at today by doing that. And we've seen it up to 25, 30% in extreme growth situations. And it's really the difference between um, making a business that's more easily uh, saleable, than one that you're going to just have to grind and grind and grind and grind to get that thing sold, and then you're going to suffer the discounts.
0: Yeah.
1: So growth is the first thing. The second thing is knowing where you're going to sell your bills, sell your business, and and making it attractive to that that business. Because if I'm really smart guy, and I can run a fifty million dollar Electrical contracting company in Seattle, Washington, here. And my team is kind of so so because I'm a really smart guy and I'm one of those people that wants to work seven days a week. And, you know, I, I but I don't have my company set up very well. We run it out of a checkbook, blah, 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 blah. That is going to just about kill you when it comes to time to sell a business. You know, you need to know what your buyer is expecting. From your what kind of business they're expecting to see. And you need to make your business look like that. And that means that I can't be too involved in it. I can't, I can be, I can be a leader, I can be a strategic visionary of that business. But if I'm the one that's the hub of that business, I'm the one that makes sure I've got the relationships with the big clients, I make sure that everything happens like it's so supposed to. When I walk away, that business is not worth very much. And that's the buyer's perspective on that. And I, and like I said, when we're looking at the business, and this leads into the last one is the team you create. Because when the buyers expect it, and when you get into, you know, not a solopreneur, but a pretty small business, say a million dollar, two million dollar, even three, three, four, five million dollars in revenue, you really have to have a good middle, leaders, you know, that can execute what's going on and kind of keep the thing going. And, and, but you can be a CEO level that's kind of in that smaller business range down from, you know, I might just have good people that execute what we need to do. And, and I'm leading the whole thing, right. In a small, whatever business, but as it gets bigger, you need to start elevating yourself and building a better team under you. Like I said, I can run a $50 million business because I want to work seven days a week and I want to I do it all. I can run that business and I can make tons of money off that business, but I'm not going to sell that business. And I won't sell it for two reasons. One is people will just pass. They won't give you any money. Or two, if they offer you something, it's going to be so ridiculously low that you're not going to take it anyway. Yeah. So, and, and we got, I mean, we had a client a few years ago that was four or five years ago now um, 50, 40 million in revenue, making 8 million EBITDA should have been getting offers into the what, 40, $50 million range. We're getting them in the 1520 because they, all the owners were key in the business, made some changes, did some other things, grew it a little bit and sold it for 73 years later. It's, it's just like, uh, these are the things that when you really understand what you're doing. And as what your company needs to look like for that buyer it's what you have to do. But so we're talking about the small, you know, sub million dollar EBITDA to, you know, a couple million in EBITDA or, or profitability. It's kind of what you need to have. You have to have, you're, you're truly a CEO or you're a board member and the rest of the company's running for you. Well, when you get above that and you go, okay, now I'm close to 5 million in EBITDA or I'm a little bit above that, whatever it is you really better have a team that can develop and execute a five-year strategy for your business without you around. Yep, You got to be on the board. You got to be driving the big, long things like what are we investing in? What are we, you know, and, and you're not even the ones that you're deciding that you're just asking the questions, right? How are we growing my investment more kind of thing? You have to be on that level because you're Your investment buyer, you're an invest, investment buyer territory at that point. You are probably going to be an investment buyer for you. And they will not buy a business that can't do that on its own because they're in the investing business. They're not in the business running business. They're they're in the investing. They, they invest in good teams, good business plans, and good growth potential. It comes back to the things that, you know, you know that I talked about, talked about the, the growth and everything, and it just gets more critical as your business gets bigger. And those are yeah. the three things that really do it.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you, in the growth phase, you kind of embedded in there customer concentration, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. Look out for is not, not having too much revenue coming from one or a very small number mm-hmm. of, of customers. And then owner dependency, that's the hardest one for owners to get past mm-hmm. is that the less you do in the business, the less the day-to-day is dependent on you, the more your company is worth. And it's it's hard because your ego wants to say, I built this, this company mm-hmm. needs me. It will not be as good as it as it can be without me. Well, that might be true, but it's not going to be worth as much money if you're the one who has to run it and make all the decisions day to day.
1: Yeah. Again, it's the buyer's perspective. Your perspective is that and that's correct, could be correct. But the buyer's perspective is it's way reduced if you're in that role. Because when you even even if you'd say you're going to stay with the business, they still will discount it because they'll know that if you get millions of dollars for your business, you're you're Incentive to work just changed an awful lot overnight.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. so it's 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 critical to invest in the teams, and I talk, you know, and that all goes like you said with customer concentration and systems and everything behind. The more you can button those things up, the better off you are. The better off you are. I mean, when you can set, especially if you're if you're going to be selling into that investment buyer space. The better off the more time you spend on KPIs, you know, monthly board meeting type uh, situations where you really are reviewing your financials and going through those kind of things and have an advisory board to where they can just come in and drop a couple of people on the board. They don't have to teach everybody what the heck this is. It's huge. It's huge because you're you're inviting them into an a familiar environment that they don't see often when they go out to look for companies and you are distinguishing yourself from everyone else or a lot of other people by putting these things in place that make it very comfortable for them to drop in as the next owners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just stark, you know, the difference. I mean, I I've seen, we've been involved in a couple of different transactions recently where one, you know, the, the, owners so to husband and wife owners are the, the business is very dependent on them right mm-hmm. and they're still getting a, a decent multiple but really because it's a highly profitable business as compared to revenue right the flip side to that is everything that you just described having a business that's that's quickly growing some organic some through acquisition but they've got everything kind of set up. They've hit that magic number of about 5 million in EBITDA. And it this is not a sexy business. This isn't a you know a tech startup. This isn't, you know, whatever. This is a home services type of a business, construction related type of a business. And they're get, they're closing this week for a 16 and a half multiple of that five million in EBITDA.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can when when you put together the right team. You have the the right customer focus, and and you can, and it's something that people can see, real easily when they come into your business, and you on all the other things around it. Like you said, growth by acquisition is huge. This is something, honestly, our growth by acquisition has gone through the roof in the last couple of years and and i think for business owners looking to exit it is one of the things they should seriously be considering because if i can buy three other smaller companies around me and now i'm double the size that i was before and i can identify a couple more acquisitions and get them down the road then i can sell with acquisitions that are ready to do investors want to invest if i just gave them the opportunity i've got i've done 3 everything's working well and I've got two or three more that are lined up or even a couple after that, that I will go to next. Holy heck. We just laid the runway down for them to invest a lot more money. And that's what they love. If you're in that kind of size business where you're doing that, you just gave them the the next three to five years of investment. And you look at for them, the, the value curve as businesses get bigger, the, the multiple per dollar of profit gets better. Right. And you know, that, and that allows them, the new buyers and the investors, to really take advantage of that with these big jumps in in value as they buy these new companies and the multiple increases on every dollar of profit they have. It's when you are doing it like you're talking about there, when you've got somebody that's doing growth by acquisition, it's a huge thing because I've got an experienced team that's done it, that is ready to do it again. And all we have to do is plug the money in.
0: Yep. Which is exactly that's that's music to an investor's ears, right? Yep. Like what, what can our capital do to add fuel to this fire to take it from here to here? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're interested in. And you just you just have to know who your buyer is and and set your business up appropriately for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's kind of dig in a little bit different or a little bit more on the buyer's perspective, right? So we've talked about it a little bit, but I feel like there's more that we can uncover here. So what's the buyer's perspective and how does their viewpoint of the business affect the sale of, of the business itself? Well, by the 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 risk is something that I
1: think everyone on all sellers underestimate, right? You you talked about customer concentration. And and risk. That risk with that customer, because maybe I've got one customer seventy five percent of my business, and when I started, they might have been. A fair size of my business, and over every year it goes up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And now that 75% is might be $10 million, might be $20 million in revenue every year. And the rest of my business might be five or $10 million. Well, that that risk to you grew over time, very small increments every year, every decade, whatever it is. But what you're asking a buyer to do is to assume all that risk all at once, that customer leaving. And that that risk perspective and the the buyer's perspective of risk is so much different that we really have to put a different pair of shoes on and look from the other side if we're going to be thinking about it. Because it's all sides. It's the same thing as if I've got a supplier that's, I've only got one supplier if my market is really limited or there's just so many different risks that a buyer will consider. It's like suppliers, another one, great one. It's like, well, we've had the same supplier for 20 years. I know Susan, she's great. You know, we're, we're buddies. We, you know, blah, 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 it, that built over time, that relationship built over time coming in new, I have no relationship. What's going to, what's going to mean? And, and, And again, another one that people fail to realize is, if I'm the owner and I'm selling the business, and Susan, who's been supplying me for 25 years, is is, we've been doing business like this. They're the same age as I am, and I'm leaving now. That buyer is also going to wonder, well, what happens when she leaves? Yeah, because it could go to heck, and I could be down. I mean, there's it's just a lot of difference because they're putting down multiple millions of dollars right then. You built those millions up over time. And, and it's really a day. I always tell people that are selling their business, said, would you, knowing what you know today about your business, write the check for this business and pay it back? Would you sign and, and, and pay someone the money and pay it back over time with your business today? Because if you wouldn't, what, how the heck can you expect somebody else?
0: Yep. And yeah, it's you, the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was just going to say, yeah, you have to put yourself in, in their shoes, right? You have yeah. to understand and convey. I mean, the, the reality is a buyer feels much more comfortable if the seller is pointing out to them the risks of the business rather than yep. just pointing out the positives and yep. counting them to find the risks in the business.
1: Yep if you know it's like we talked about supplier risk right if you said i know you're worried about supplier because we always buy from susan we bought for for 25 years but we buy from susan because they give us the best products and we have dave and Jeannie. they can give us the same products and we buy a little bit from them every once in a while to make sure their products are good we check them and, and and once a Every year, every other year, to make sure they could supply us if we really needed it, we got multiple suppliers. That right there can help you to mitigate that risk to that new, for that buyer. If you don't, if I just said we've been doing business with Susan for years and you know it's great, blah 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 blah, they're they're stuck in their mind on that. I got one supplier, but if you just said no, I've got three suppliers and they can all do this, it's a big deal. It's a big yep. deal is, is, is putting those shoes on and understanding it.
0: Yep. Yep. There are other options. We choose to do business with Susie because of X, Y, and Z. But mm-hmm. we could easily go this direction if if something changed with Susie. Yeah.
1: Yep. yep. yep.
0: yep. And I well, think it's, it's a huge many-
1: thing. It's a huge thing. I mean, and in this day and age too, when you look at some of the, we, we do a fair amount of e-commerce work, right? And when you look at what happened over the past three years and and the the wicked rise in, in Amazon sales for people And I think it's really one of these things that you you have to look at. Amazon' is no different than a customer in a lot of respects and if that concentration there gets too high as an e-commerce company, you know you really have to look at how do we diversify it. And, and when you're doing or up here just take for up here if I'm doing uh, aerospace work and I'm doing it for Boeing, right? You can have, or in the Detroit, I'm doing automotive, or you know, someplace else, and I'm doing space work. It's you really got to understand how you diversify yourself enough so that it doesn't look like one you're one step away from the grave. I mean, the suppliers here from Boeing when the 737 had their trouble that took them almost. What was it, a year and a half or more to get it straightened out? There is just like for sales signs everywhere. Uh, so you know the, the investors aren't wrong in a lot of this. If and if you can't diversify very well, it is more risky.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And just just to make sure I understood what you meant by the e-commerce thing, you're saying if your business is highly dependent on or your only sales channel is Amazon that's a risk you need to be selling yeah. through your own website and other e-commerce yeah. You know, sites
1: yeah i mean there's walmart there's there's ebay there's all different kinds of places that you can sell and man, there there are actually so many that would boggle your mind where you can sell uh different places but it, it really the diversification is is diversification it just has to be like that um there were a huge number of companies that raised a lot of money pre-covid and through covid to buy amazon based companies and they have virtually stopped buying companies because you know the e-commerce has slowed over the last 12 months a fair amount and uh, you know it's just because of too much concentration
0: yeah yep yeah, i think i think diversification is a rule that you could apply it to essentially everything in your life yep Yep. Yeah. It's just a really yeah. smart way of doing things. Yeah. Well, Damon, you know, I, I feel like there are a lot of different directions we could go here, but what have we not talked about that you think we should talk about, or you think it's important to convey to our listeners?
1: The, it, it, this is the biggest reason why businesses don't sell. And that is value expectations of a seller. You really need to understand what your business is worth. Come to terms with that, because it is math. I can't pay a million dollars for something that makes a hundred dollars a year. I don't care how great your idea is. I don't care how it. Now, you may find some unicorn where somebody's going to give you a lot of money for it, but you aren't getting that today. You're going to get that over time. You you just the vast majority of people have to understand that if my business makes a million dollars a year, there is a reasonable multiple on that million dollars. You're going to get paid for that business. Bottom line. Don't think you can get double because you're special. Uh, It just get in tune with that. Get ready for that. Just understand that because it's much better for you to stay in your business a couple years longer if you If that's not enough money or that doesn't make you happy and and tell the right that tell that number will make you happy or you grow into the number you want, then try to sell to, you know, and get a premium that you're really not going to get. I mean, there are things that drive premiums, but vast majority of the businesses, if you get 25, 30 percent premium over market, you better be operating pretty darn well compared to market. And value is the thing that that trips everyone up.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah. Business owners typically overestimate the value of their business. We all know that. Um, You know, I I actually just, I I just read uh, an example of this and I don't remember the specifics, but there was, you know, somebody said, well, you know, this guy sold his business. He sold it for a million bucks and he's just one town over and he's got, eight employees and they do this much in revenue and they do you know whatever so say it's 500,000 in revenue and they've got eight employees i've got three employees my revenue is 150,000 so i figure mine's mine's worth 800,000 like you th- like the owner thinks it's worth 80% of what the guy next door sold it for but his everything else doesn't match up right like the yeah. math is not matching up in his head it's just you overestimate the value of your own business. And that, that reality check, even though it's hard to deal with, that reality check is super important before going through a transaction.
1: Yeah, you don't want to waste your time doing it. I mean, take get a realistic valuation from someone. And if you're not comfortable with it, you're saying, no way would I sell it for that much. Don't try. I mean, you're going to waste a, you're going to waste a year trying to sell that thing. Whereas if you come in and because, too, on a buyer's perspective, when they see stuff that's priced out of what normally it should be priced, they just don't even it's not like you come and say, hey, I'll give you what it's really worth. They just don't even respond. And and because they they understand this, they understand, they they know that this is the biggest reason why. So if you come with unrealistic value expectations, they're not even going to offer Anything. Whereas if you come in with realistic value expectations, you'll bring two people to the table. Then you got a chance of working it up a little bit if you if you are above industry by a long ways. And it's it's just those things that, that you gotta really come to terms with. Because if it's worth a million dollars, it's worth a million dollars. It's not worth two. Yep,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the biggest the biggest thing that anybody should take away from this is. While you're building your business, make sure that you're taking care of your own personal finances so you're not 100% reliant on your business. So that's just another mm-hmm. way of saying diversify your wealth, right? Yep. And then understand what a realistic expectation is. And then I would add to that, and this is not a money thing, but add to that, what is, what is it that you're hoping to get? from this transaction. What's most important to you, right? Mm-hmm. If the highest amount of money in your pocket is the most important to you, then you got you to gotta share that with your advisors and know that that's mm-hmm. the way that you're going to build towards that. If the most important thing to you is not that number, but it's the legacy of your business and your business being able to continue, you got to know that too, because that's a completely different buyer it may mm-hmm. be looking at like an esop for example instead yep. so that legacy continues it, it's you have to know what it is you're working towards and why and what's most important to you and then surround yourself with the best advisors to help get you there
1: yep yeah wise wise advice there
0: yeah so damon any closing comments for you i can't believe we're up against an hour already
1: no i'm just i'm just happy to be here and and uh Enjoy sharing this, and hopefully someone, you know, hears something that helps them.
0: Okay, so people want to reach out to you; they want help selling their business and and the other services that you provide. How what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: You know, our our, our website exityourway.com is uh, got plenty of links. You can schedule a time with me. You can email me. It's Damon D A M O N at exityourway.com. Um, uh, find me on LinkedIn. There's no one else with my name, Damon Postalka and, uh, any of those will work.
0: Okay. I really appreciate the conversation. Like I said, at the beginning, we're kind of kindred spirits. We're working in the same area, doing the same type type of work, not exactly the same. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's something that you and I are both passionate about, right? The mm-hmm. backbone of our economy in this country is the small business owner and, yep. or I would even say small or medium depends on your your definition mm-hmm. of what a small business is. Um, but that's what drives the economy in our country and being able to help those people every day to make sure that that continues is is a pleasure. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Damon. really appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch and, and keep, keeping in touch with Exit your way.
1: All right. thanks for having me, Austin.
0: You bet. thank you. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us next week for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.